by the way, that clock just keeps flying on the wall. But my dinner is here, so I'm not really worried about it. So now you can relax because I'm relaxed, right? If you were wondering about the quizzing that went on in general assembly, uh, there was one note I had in the back of my paper and I failed to mention. First place went to Napanee, Brother Christburg. Second place to Dillsburg, and third place to Harrisburg. And so there was a lot of excitement there. Arlen has been quiz director or master, whatever they call him, for 10 years, and I believe now he is stepping down, and someone else will be filling that position. But appreciate those young people as they get into the Word and, and the study. And I can tell you that it's something you'll have the rest of your life. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, that's where we'll be giving our message today. We're going to be picking up at verse 13 and down to the end of the chapter. I chose today to be preaching out of the new, uh, or the English Standard Version. Uh, as I was looking at my Bible, verse 13 says about stirring up the wine to your mind. I thought, I just wondered how many of our young people would know what I'm talking about. And so I chose to use this scripture. I think it makes it much more clear. First Peter chapter 1 will begin now in verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now if you call on him as Father who judges impartiality according to each one's deed, and conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a land without blemish or first He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last days for your sake who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Lord, we ask now for your divine help and guidance. May we say those things, Lord, and bring honor to your name and to your word. Bless each one, Lord, today with divine presence. And have your way, Lord, in this service and then the fellowship following the service. May we love you and love one another. In Jesus' worthy and precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. 
Roxbury Holiness Camp is just around the corner, August the 3rd through the 12th, and the theme this year is Why Holiness? I've been asked to preach Monday and Tuesday at camp, and so I've been preparing these messages, and I thought, I believe I'm going to share them with you first, and then I'll be also sharing them out there. The first message I entitled Why Holiness? It's appropriate for the the theme of this year. I don't believe any believer who is spiritually awake these days can, can, can deny that the winds of the Holy Spirit are blowing with new force. We hear it from large institutional churches down to small house churches, both in religious and secular news, recording of a, a, like a surging fervor across our land. The Holy Spirit is at work. That he's no longer that unknown person of the third part of the Godhead. And here's an interesting thought. If the Protestant Reformation brought Jesus Christ back into the center of Christian faith, I believe that today's awakening is focusing the church on uh, the blessed Holy Spirit. The New Testament exhortation uh, that we be filled with the Spirit has found thousands of, of receptive hearts as their hearts and minds are being enlightened. And this isn't just among us as Protestant denominations. It's also our brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church uh, that are accepting the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. And so literally, I think we can say thousands of believers are now testifying to a spirit-filled life and walk with the Lord. Uh, and then that goes across a lot of theological traditions and persuasions. And I'm sure that you know that even among those that would call themselves holiness churches, there's differing thoughts of interpretation, distinguishing marks of the spirit-filled life. For example, we as brethren in Christ believe in the Wesleyan uh, thought of the Pentecost, bringing heart purity and, and perfect love to the heart. Uh, Keswickians, another group of holiness people, place the emphasis upon the victory and power of Pentecost. The Pentecostals and neo-charismatics see speaking in tongues as a sign of the Spirit's infilling. But from our Wesleyan perspective, the Pentecostal baptism of the Holy Spirit purges the the heart of the believer from sin, perfection, or her in God's agape love. Now, I'm not going to take time to go into agape love, but I encourage you, get on the computer and, and see what you find there. But this empowers us for the effective Christian witness in 2018. Sadly, we acknowledge that there are many that aren't willing to pay the price for the full surrender for that genuine Pentecost experience. Too often, there are those that are happy to settle for less uh, passionate, a passionless profession of holiness that I fear does not measure up to New Testament experience and teaching. And so my prayer is this morning that we, who call ourselves holiness believers, would clearly see that holiness is to be filled, is to be cleansed, is to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit with this baptism of love. And you know, I really think that we can learn from one another. 
from other persuasions. Uh, we don't have a corner on understanding of what holiness is or does for a person. Holiness is a word that really promotes a lot of different, uh, a wide range of, of responses, if you please. To some, it's a code word, called ours to defend the, the theological position. Sadly, for some, it's words that recall um, memories of legalistic bonding that was put on them by others. And for others, still, it's a word that brings to themselves a painful memory of failures in their life. I'm so thankful that holiness is really much, much more than all of that, and much better. It's a key word in describing God himself. The word belongs uniquely to him. It separates God from anything else in defining him as a holy God. We read in Revelation 15, the first part of verse 4, the saints are singing, and they're saying, Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. Then in Isaiah 40, verse 25, God declares, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Friends, we cannot encounter God without encountering His holiness. He is a holy God. But I quickly want to say that in this holiness, it's not a barrier for us to keep us away from God in that loving relationship. For you can't know God and have a relationship with Him without first becoming aware of His holiness. They're inseparable. The truth is, God wants to share his holiness with everyone. Isaiah 57, 15, the Lord speaks about uh, heaven. He says, for thus says the high loved one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. I recall my own personal experience and walk with the Lord, and I hesitate sharing too much about my own experience, because believe it or not, there are people who say, oh, I want that kind of experience. The Lord has a tailor-made experience for every single one of us. But as a young lad, 10 years old, we ran a tech meeting those days. Now, imagine this. In the spring, we had a revival meeting that went one or two weeks. Then this summer, we had a tent meeting that went just as long. Then in the fall, we had another revival meeting. And times went through. We were in church a lot those days. And gosh, we had this summer. But it was in an old-fashioned tent meeting on a little place named Rabbit Hill, right outside of Millersburg, along Route 209. And I traveled by there many, many times because our farm was just about two and a half miles from there. But it was there, there was a, an evangelist from Canada, Edward Gilmore. Does anybody remember him? Oh, yes, all right. A godly brother. He came uh, down and held that meeting, and he was just the kind of preacher I needed. Now, we had preachers back then that were thumping the Bible in the pulpit and really getting loud and all, but Brother Gilmore was a quiet, gentle person. When I was praying, I'll never forget it. He came down to me. Put his hand on my head. He said, Now 
Sonic, you just pray that you know the work is done. And he walked away. And that's just what I needed. I was a very quiet, shy little guy. If somebody would have come down there and started beating me on the back, I don't know what I'd have thought. Or you may have thought, no. Anyways, uh, there's where I felt God had saved me. The peace flooded my soul. And I knew the work was done. It wasn't long, though. Something was rising up within me that I did not like. And so I began to seek after entire sanctification. At Roxbury Camp was one of the places. But it seemed like I never could be satisfied in my heart that the work was being done. Maybe it's because I was a young person who didn't understand or expected too much. Because I thought, well, when I go and, and the Lord sanctifies me, then I'm fixed for good and everything's fine and I'll be a saint forever. Well, there was an inner struggle. And uh, thank the Lord I did not walk away from truth, though. I saw God. I hungered after God, desiring all that I could have. It wasn't until March 17, 1974, in the Bible meeting, that I totally surrendered my ambitions, my desires, my goals to God. And I felt the blessed Holy Spirit fill me with a godly love, an experience that I shall never forget. How many of you remember Bishop Henry Ginger? I'm sure a lot to because I believe this was his home area. Beloved brother of the Lord. I remember him preaching at Roxbury, talking about the crisis within a process experience. And his preaching helped me as a young Christian to get a foundation and know a little better my understanding. And it, it was that crisis surrender point that I needed and I finally achieved. But then it was a continuation of many times of coming to the Lord and surrendering new things that he would show to me. A life of development, a maturity, of discipline, and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Actually, it's a continual discipline, is it not? I appreciate Dr. Stephen Alford. Uh, I have several of his books. He's a, uh, an evangelist preacher from England. And I, I've read a lot of his books. And one book, especially, The Way of Holiness, that I really, really appreciate. His sound and clear teaching has helped me in my walk with the Lord. And throughout the message today, I'm going to be sharing some tidbits that he has there in his book. I believe we live in a day when the doctrine of of the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is much misunderstood. One of the devices that Satan uses is to take people into extremes, uh, extreme positions, and they forget the truth that is well balanced and here presented in Scripture. Having said that, I believe one of the greatest needs that we have today in the church is for a new breath of the Holy Spirit upon us. Think of that verse there in John 10, 10, where Jesus says that I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Dr. Stephen Offord quotes a Dr. Grand uh, Sprogi in saying, every Christian has eternal life, but every Christian does not have abundant life. He may have it potentially, but he may not know it in the fullness of his experience. And so we know that every true believer has the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus in the first place. You couldn't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit in your life. 
uh, I think there, First Corinthians 1, verse 30 says, Jesus Christ, who became to us righteousness, sanctification, or holiness, and redemption. Simply means that God makes this holiness available to us by the incoming and dwelling life of the Lord Jesus. So the holiness that Jesus himself, our Savior, preached, practiced, and purchased is imparted to the vilest offender who truly believes. It's nothing shy of a miracle. That's the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Peter in his epistle tells us that through the effectual calling of God, we are made partakers of the divine nature. I'll read that verse there, 1 Peter 1, 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Also in Hebrews, the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews 12, 10, that we may share in his holiness. So we see that in, in no way whatsoever is holiness a product of human effort. Rather, it's the work of God being made effective in us by the dwelling of Christ through the power of the blessed Holy Spirit. Friends, it's God's design to make us holy as we spend time with Him. I trust you have that quiet time with the Lord, reading the Word, spending time in prayer, as a husband and wife together also, and as a family having those times of what we call devotions and sharing with the Lord. This is what helps us as we mature in our process uh, as the call of all us is to be holy as he is holy. And so it's so essential to be in the scripture today and to be searching, allowing the Holy Spirit then to be the illuminator of the word as our teacher. Jesus prayed in the high priestly prayer that are in John 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, I love this verse. He says, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Friends, he will perform the work in your heart. You see, God is both the caller and the doer. He exercises his power to perform and to complete in us his perfect will. So we need to be fed on the word, but also we need to be filled with his spirit. We desire to be a holy people. We need to surrender and allow him to continue his work in us to the point where we're controlled by the blessed Holy Spirit. So that we can glorify God in our minds, in our spirit, and in our bodies. And here's a verse that I don't fully understand, but the Bible tells us that God will preserve us blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that sounds a little bit over the top in our human body, doesn't it? Our human thinking. But we can trust him that he will do that work. Paul says in Romans 6, 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, 
So now present you members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. A believer who is living a life of practical holiness will know what it means to be completely and continually yielded to God. And such yieldedness, my friends, implies that once and for all act of surrender, followed by that daily attitude of surrender. It's a life of development and a life of discipline daily. Yes, I think of the struggle that I had as a youth. I had understood the preaching of sanctification to mean that I had arrived. I now was perfect. I missed the importance of that ongoing process that we need in sanctification. And I thank God for His patience with me, for the Holy Spirit that kept teaching me and wooing me and drawing me. And yes, friends, I want to be His love slave. I want to follow him in obedience and be in that attitude of surrender every day. And so obedience to God must precede our offering of praise and worship to God continually. Hebrews 13, 15, let us continue, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving glory to his name. Giving glory to his name. And so your testimony is very important. I gave you an opportunity this morning. I'm sorry, Lord, you didn't take that opportunity. But you need to testify for two reasons, and many more, but for two reasons. First of all, that others may hear what God is doing in your life and encourage them in their walk. But second of all, someone else's testimony isn't going to be the blessing you need. You need to get your own testimony for the Lord to continue to bless and to walk and work in your life. And so, I just thank the Lord that every opportunity we have, we need to take it and to share what God has meant to us and what he has done. Our testimony is very important. We need to remember that God longs for your worship. He created us to worship him. And so our, our sacrifice and praise is just that, the fruit of obedience and holiness. Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. John 15, verse 8. Such fruitfulness is what characterizes us in, as we glorify God, because it shows forth the very life of Christ that's within us. Paul speaks of it so clearly there, and I know you're going to know what I'm going to refer to here in Galatians 5. 22 and 23, the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, it's kindness, it's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the, of the Spirit that should be in and through and out of our lives. And so I think it's good from time to time that we take self-inventory. How is it going when we walk with the Lord? Uh, how are you doing? Maybe we need to ask our spouse or our friend that question. Well, Dr. Stephen offered shares a story that I thought was so good and I wanted to share it with you. It took place in England of a saintly brother by the name of Thomas Cook. And I'm looking forward to meeting this man in heaven someday. But Thomas Cook was coming to visit in a certain community. 
And there was a man and wife that were going to keep him in their home. And so they were determined to give him a royal welcome and that all his needs would be met to satisfaction. Now they had an unconverted maid that worked in their house, and she got upset and rebelled at all this extra work that was put on her because this one person was coming to their house. Well, that week she visited the butcher's shop, uh, looking for the weekend roast, and there she began to vent her feelings. I don't know who this Mr. Cook is, but you'd think he was God Almighty himself, judging by the fuss that is being made. A week later, the same maid came back to the butcher shop, very subdued and quiet. The man in the counter observing this remembered what she had said the week before. And so he asked her, how are you getting on with the visitor to your house? Softly she whispered, I am so sorry for what I said last week. The Reverend Thomas Cook is the most wonderful man I've ever met. When he's around, it makes you feel God is right there in your house. What a testimony he said of anyone. May we desire what he said of us. As I conclude, I need to ask all of us some questions. And they're personal questions. So ask yourself this. Is my life one of fruitful service? Is my God my all in all? Am I reproducing the life of Jesus Christ in others by the way that I live out the gospel in total surrender? Am I living out practical holiness in my home, at work, in my church? Friends, what the world needs to see is a Christian church made up of men and women who manifest in their daily living a quality of life that is Christ's life. Amen. All manner of extreme teaching has been associated with the word holiness, but that's not practical holiness as I'm trying to present today. Holiness in terms of biblical truth is both redemptive and productive in humility before God and one another. Not only changes the life, but it challenges us, each one to live and preach Jesus Christ. It's time the team will be coming and sharing with us their closing.